legends, you're listening to the Off-Road Performance Coach Podcast. If you want to be a beast on and off the dirt bike, you have come to the right place. All I ask from you is if you gain some value out of today's episode, please give it a share and tag me on your socials or your Insta story. I'd be super grateful if you'd share the love. Let's get stuck straight into today's episode. Just things for me. Hello, podcasters. We are on for a Q&A podcast episode today. Got a fair few questions sent in, so I thought I would group them together. I got a lot of training-related questions and a lot of questions more related to fueling and hydration around sort of uh, race race nutrition strategies and things like that. So thought I would group them together to keep each episode sort of a little bit on the shorter side so it doesn't drag on too much, so you don't have to listen for hours and hours to get your, the answer to your question. So today we're going to go through the more nutrition-related and, and hydration strategy-related questions uh, first one was, have I had to train myself to take on fluids during a three to four hour race? Personally, for myself, I have not had to train myself to do that. I've always been, hydration has always been one thing, just in terms of drinking enough, it has always been one thing that I've been pretty good at my whole life. Like I've mentioned before, I sweat a lot. So I know, I've always known like, that I sweat a lot and I always get pretty thirsty. So as a result of sweating a lot, so I've always been pretty good at taking in a lot of fluid and drinking quite a bit. Now that doesn't mean I've always got my race uh, hydration um, strategy correct. I've definitely missed the boat with that plenty of times. And when I first started racing cross countries, when I was 16, 17, like, I would have a two liter camelback with a Gatorade mixed in it, and that was it. That was my, um, that was my race nutrition strategy. So I would hit the wall every race at the ninety minute mark because I just wasn't giving myself enough fuel, and I didn't know why. I just thought that I wasn't fit enough, and I needed to ride more. Had no idea about calories and electrolytes. So I've. I guess I've never had to train myself to take on fluids. I've always drank fluids. I just definitely didn't get the the calories and the electrolytes right all of the time. Um, but my advice for you, if you struggle, because I, I I've had I have had other people say that it is challenging for them to actually drink. So the first thing is just actually training yourself to do that in training. Like it's that old saying that nothing new happens on race day. So in your training, when you're going riding, you want to either pick some lower level or less serious events, say they're a club day where you don't really care about the result, where you can perhaps just back the intensity down a little bit and focus on actually drinking and, and nailing your hydration strategy potentially, or just going on some like some decent, when you go on to like a proper trail ride, like a two or three hour effort where you're riding with a group of guys at similar pace to you, where you're actually going 
like pretty hard for two to three hours, not stopping every 15 minutes and talking shit for 30 minutes as tends to happen on some some trail rides, but a trail ride where you're actually like going at a decent pace for, for two or three hours and, and then obviously training yourself through that to drink. Um, then when you get to an actual race, like I'm really big on having landmarks on the track. There's no point having this perfectly planned out um, and the perfect amount of calories and electrolytes in your camelback if you get to the end of the race and it's still half full and you've only taken on 50% of it. So we need to remind ourselves to drink it as we're going around the track. So I'm really big on having landmarks. So obviously when you come through the finish line and or the pits, um, that when you like go through the timing loop, whatever you want to call it, that's a really good time. Like you obviously have to get, slow down to go through the timing loop a little bit. You're not at full race pace. So that's a really good opportunity there to, to have a drink. And then picking somewhere that's around about halfway around a lap is a good a good way. I think that works pretty well. That way you're getting two hits of your hydration every lap. So maybe it's a gate, it's a dam, something that's a bit of a landmark that's around about halfway around that you can remind yourself, okay, I'm coming up to this gate. I've got to slow down to go through this corner in this gate. I can hit my hydra- my hydration. So two times a lap, bang, bang, you're reminding yourself to drink. Then if you do struggle to actually, because I have, like personally, I've got no problem at all taking my hand off the handlebars. I just pick a spot where I'm obviously not fully hard on the gas or fully hard on the brakes and I can take my hand off and quickly stick the tube in my mouth. If you struggle with that, then obviously there's heaps of setups now where you can run that tube into your helmet and have it just right there in your mouth so you don't even have to take hands off handlebars so that's an option too um but yeah my two biggest pieces of advice would be training yourself in training obviously and then having some landmarks on the track to remind yourself to actually drink because that's when you plan your race nutrition out you want to plan out your amounts obviously your your totals like your liters how many liters you're going to drink how many calories you're going to have in that how much electrolytes you're going to have in that and then you need to like roughly figure out okay how am i actually going to get it in like if i drink my camelback uh if i hit my camelback like two times a lap how much is that roughly going to give me so i can spread that two liters or whatever it is out whatever that amount is out over the duration of the race to make sure you're roughly getting it in so um yeah again you need to do it in training um so it just becomes habitual and then using landmarks on the track is going to be your best option there to actually remind yourself um to do it next one was what's an ideal ideal food to eat during a three hour so this is a really good question um and kind of ties into that that last one. But when, when you're racing a three-hour, obviously our heart rate's quite elevated. So it's going to be harder for our gut to actually digest like actual real food. So you can most definitely have real foods um, during a three-hour. There's no problem with actually having real food. But the thing with having real food is there's a digestion cost that comes with it. Like even a banana 
there's a little bit of fiber in a banana and it's obviously it takes a little bit for your gut to actually break a banana i I use the banana as an example because it's a fairly common thing that people will have um your average banana like i'm pretty sure an average medium-sized banana has about 25 grams of carbs in it so it's pretty well equivalent to one gel so an energy gel that you would have like a coda energy gel very similar it's around about 25 to 30 i haven't got one here but it's it's between 25 and 30 grams anyway of carbs per gel that's pretty average for for a gel so the four calories per gram of carbohydrate equals 100 calories give or take so pretty similar a medium banana is going to be around about the same amount of calories as a gel even just the time it takes to actually eat a banana is going to be like to actually chew it up and get it in to your gut is going to take way longer than it takes to bang down a gel so obviously in the case of a three-hour race like for the most part in a three-hour race you don't want to be stopping for very long like you want to be putting fuel in your bike and then you're going hard again so it depends how serious your three-hour race is but if you're actually like if you want to get a really good result like the best result possible i would say you're much better off you going liquid um during actually during the race and then if you're actually looking for real food options then you you really want to be going for simple um options like obviously a banana is pretty simple but like just your classic like a honey sandwich on white bread not the most nutritious thing obviously but white bread and honey basically just carbs again and very easy for your gut to break down but again to use that example like to get like a a sandwich with a bit of honey on it it's probably going to be like around about 200 calorie mark most likely so it's about the same as two gels so again to actually chew up and eat a full sandwich with honey on it it's going to take you way longer to do that than it is to just bang down two gels really quick so yeah rule of thumb if you are going to eat food you want to keep it to simple types of food so obviously like a honey sandwich is not your most nutritious thing you're ever going to eat but that's not what you're trying to do in a three-hour race like your meals outside of your three-hour race like on race day can still be like quite healthy and, and nutritious and and have really good quality foods but when you're actually in the race in the moment and your heart rate's elevated you got just really like at the end of the day we just need sugar to fuel that high intensity exercise so that's basically what a gel is it's just basically straight sugar snakes jelly beans lollies these types of things like they're they're basically just giving us a, a hit of sugar any of your hydration powder obviously that that you might be using that you mix in your camelback same thing it's basically just giving us a hit of sugar of carbs for that energy so um it's it is like a really personal thing like you you could you can literally try anything like literally you can try anything i've got like friends that have done ultra marathon and obviously like an ultra race is a lot different because one the intensity is probably a bit lower 
Two, the duration's way longer. So when you, even like if you did like an eight-hour race, like I've had clients that have done the eight-hour transmodos, like you just having gels or sugary stuff for that period of time, like your, your palate actually, it, you get to a point where you can't have any more sort of sweet stuff or, or just all liquid. You actually want something to chew on. That generally doesn't happen in three hours. Like three hours isn't that isn't long enough of a time. And again, the intensity is quite high. So generally speaking, you don't have that. But yeah, like when you go to those longer, like people, you can have like smoothies or like I've had people that have had like mashed potato um, in those like those longer type endurance events. Um, again, don't really, that's not normally an issue for most people. For most people in a three hour, because it is such... Like it's obviously an endurance event and it's long, but it's compared to what, I guess, what some endurance events are, three hours isn't actually that long and it is quite intense. So it's, we're sprinting pretty hard at a like really high intensity. So we want to be keeping those food options like really simple. So that's my advice there. If you are going to go real food, keep it really simple. Otherwise, I'd be working on your liquid options. And just remember, it's three hours, it's one race, and you're not doing it every day. So having like a, a hidden heap of sugar, it's going to be completely fine. Like it's not like you're banging down heaps of sugar for lunch every day. Like it's one very, very small window of your overall nutrition intake. So I wouldn't be worried about taking in a bit of sugar or eating something that's um, what you might consider not ideal um, in a normal healthy, in inverted commas, healthy eating um, sort of plan because all of the other meals outside of the race can be nutritious and healthy. Um, In the race, we want to be given our body the easiest and quickest source of energy it can possibly get with the quickest and easiest digestion. So yeah. Next question was water intake. Daily water intake versus race weekend. Should it increase? So I think I did a little bit of a podcast actually the other week on electrolytes or I might have touched on this already, but it is, it's a very big, it depends question, um, water intake. It really just depends like what is your daily, what's your daily environment compared to a race weekend environment. If you work, uh, like right now, I'm obviously at my desk recording this podcast in my little office. So um, it's not very hot. It's not, I'm not outside in the elements. I'm not moving around. I'm not sweating a ton. So um if you work in an office and it's air conditioned and you don't sweat at work um, and you don't have a very, I guess, intense environment in your day-to-day work environment, then potentially you may need to increase your uh, water intake for a race weekend. If you're doing like a three-hour race and you're going to go and it's potentially pretty hot, um, then that could mean that it's very different to what your body's used to during the week so you would have to increase your hydration if you're a tradie and you work out in the sun every day you're doing 12 hour days in the sun busting your butt all day 
and you're drinking like five liters of water with a heap of electrolytes every day, that's just normal for you. A race weekend might actually be easier. <laughs> like literally going to a race and racing for only three hours and then sitting down in the shade for the rest of the day could actually be easier for you than what your body's used to. So again, it is a very big, it depends question. At the end of the day, it really just comes down to knowing what what you're actually taking in, in terms of water and electrolytes. That's the biggest thing. And then having a plan that, a strategy that you're going to hit on race day. So if, if it, and, and it's going to vary. So if the like general rule of thumb, when the water goes up, the electrolytes need to go up. So I mentioned that on the podcast the other week, I'm pretty sure. But if you, what you don't want to do is just bring a heap of extra water in on the race weekend. If you just start drinking like a ton more water, all that's going to do is dilute that sodium balance and potentially have the same symptoms as actually being dehydrated, like headaches, cramps, etc. So that's obviously what we don't want to do. We want to understand that, okay, I'm about to go on race for three hours on the weekend. I need to be increasing my electrolyte intake. And if you work in an office all day during the week, then maybe you're going to increase your water intake a little bit as well. But general rule of thumb, the water intake won't increase that much, but the electrolyte intake definitely will. And that's obviously going to depend on the weather. It's going to depend on your work environment and your, obviously your training. Like if you're, if you're training daily, um, then obviously your body's going to be used to a higher stress environment and sweating like every day. So you should know whether your hydration is on point. Like if you're recovering, you're not suffering any headaches, any cramps, these types of things, and you're training consistently, then it's a pretty good indication that your hydration is probably on point. So then it's just when you get to race weekend, it's just a matter of nailing your race day hydration strategy. But yeah, biggest rule of thumb there is if water goes up, electrolyte intake also needs to go up. Super important. Next one was creatine. Is there any noticeable improvement on the bike from creatine usage? Personally, in my own personal experience, again, my personal experience and from coaching clients, I haven't personally felt a difference and I haven't had any of my clients say that they can feel a difference from creatine with their riding. I have had a couple of clients that have started supplementing with creatine and they reported noticing strength benefits. Haven't had anyone um, report any benefits or anything that's noticeable on the bike. That doesn't mean it's not worth taking like Creatine is one of the most researched supplements out there. And even just, this is what I tell everyone, like even just outside of the performance benefits, like there is some small performance and strength benefits from it. But the biggest one, that and that's come out, I think in more so the last sort of five 
or so years that a lot of research has, has shown that it's actually super beneficial for brain health and just the neural function of the brain, like the brain just being able to work at its highest capacity and and function really well mentally. Creatine is really beneficial for helping support brain function. So just to me, like that on its own, like I want to have a really high level of brain function for a really long time. So I'm all about that. And it's super cheap. It's not expensive. Um, there's really no downsides. Like there is some, you hear some bullshit from people saying that it causes arm pump. I haven't experienced that. I've used it, didn't have any um, any difference at all in how my arms feel when I'm riding. I've had heaps of client, like I don't, I don't like, I guess force, definitely don't force, but I don't like tell all my clients they have to have it by any means. But when I have some clients that ask about it and I just tell them exactly what I just told you guys, like definitely nothing, there's no downsides to having it in my experience. Super cheap, have five grams a day. Um, You can put it in a smoothie or mix it in a glass of water, whatever you want. Um, But my advice would be definitely no downside to taking it, but I wouldn't expect to have any anything you're going to notice on the dirt bike. Potentially, like you might notice some mental clarity or some <laughs> some some improved mental function there potentially after some prolonged prolonged use, uh, maybe. But if if you do notice that, report back to me and let me know. Um, last question on the on the nutrition side was. Managing a calorie deficit to lose weight without affecting performance. So, this is a little bit of a tricky one. Um, well, not tricky, I should say, but it's it is pretty common. I guess just some general rules of thumb, if around creating a calorie deficit. Like at the end of the day, that's like if you want to drop body fat, if you've got a little bit of excess body fat that you would like to lose, then like there's no one diet that's going to do it for you like you that's not the vegan diet it's not the keto diet like all of those diets work because they are placing you in a calorie deficit so if you find one of those options to be more sustainable for you to actually put yourself in a calorie deficit then by all means you can do it but it's not the diet that's allowed you to do it it's it's the fact that your body's been in a calorie deficit. So when you're looking to, to, especially when you're looking to maintain performance, when you're actually an athlete that's competing and you're going to go and race a dirt bike, you have to take the weight loss with a long-term view. You can definitely like if if you if your primary goal was just to get shredded and all you wanted to do was just lose weight and you weren't so much so stressed about your performance on the bike, um, you could go like really aggressive with a calorie deficit and put yourself into it into a really aggressive calorie deficit to accelerate that weight loss process. If you didn't really care about how you felt, if you've if you didn't care about feeling tired, um, losing a bit of strength and not having the energy to to ride a dirt bike hard for three hours. Um, obviously, if we want to actually compete um, at a decent level, then 
general rule of thumb is 10% of calorie deficit. So example, if you're burning 3000 calories a day, if you eat 2700 calories, you should be in a 10% calorie deficit, which should see with consistency over time, you should see a little bit of weight loss. So like it's not that much, 300 calories is not that much. What I tell people in that situation, like it's pretty easy to cut 300 calories. Um, even if you, if your, if your maintenance calories is 2,500, if you're not that active during the day, um, if your maintenance calories is 2,500, it's pretty easy to drop like 250 calories out of your daily intake. Like depend, like the easiest ones I tell people are just to cut out the, I guess, for want of a better term, empty calories, like anything that's liquid, like drink, like drinking. If you're trying to drop body fat and you want to be in a deficit, like don't drink your calories. So if you're adding sweeteners to coffee, that's an easy one. Like if you really want to get, you could get a sugar-free sweetener if you really want it to still taste sweet. Um, juices, things like this, like they're super easy to consume. They're not, there is some nutrient value to them, but they're fairly simple calories and they're not really going to fill you up. So if you can just like cut a few of those little things back a little bit, pretty easy to put yourself into a, a bit of a deficit and then just make sure that the calories you are getting in are coming from good quality whole foods. So like 2300 to 2500 calories of food is still like a fair bit of food um so the key is like i say it's making sure that you're in a 10 percent deficit consistently obviously if you go for a massive ride on your dirt bike if you go for like a three hour or four hour ride and you burn a ton more calories that day then your window to be in a 10 percent deficit is way higher you might buy God, my tongue's getting twisted. You might burn 4,000 calories on it when you go overall for the day, when you go on a four-hour trail ride. So that means that day, like you could be in a, in a 10% deficit at, and eat, be eating like 35, 3,600 calories. So that's like a ton of food um, and you'll still be in a slight deficit. You can like eat less than that if you want and be in a, a, a bigger deficit. But my point is like, it's a game of averages. So over the course of the week, if you're burning two and a half thousand calories every day, that's seventeen and a half thousand calories, if my maths is correct. So you need to be consuming ten percent less than that over the week. If you have a couple of days where your calorie burn is a little bit higher, then that's going to give you a bigger budget to play with. Um, so it's just understanding that across your week, as long as you maintain that average, and then it's going to take time. Like if you go too aggressive on the deficit, what you'll usually find is you get those yo-yos, you get those energy slumps where you'll feel like shit. So you're like, fuck, I feel like crap. I'm going to eat a ton of food. Um, and then it's pretty easy to go the other way. And if you've, if you've been really good for five days of the, well, not, not really good, but you've hit your deficit five days of the week. So you've built up like a 
1200 calorie deficit and then you get to the weekend and you go and eat a whole pizza to yourself or have six pack of beers or whatever it might be like it's pretty easy to get a thousand twelve hundred calories um from over consuming a particular item of food that is really high in calories um and then your calorie deficit that you've built up for the whole week is gone in one day on the weekend so it's fine it's really fine tuning that daily intake to a level that is enough to have you in a small deficit but it's enough to give you enough the energy that you don't have those slumps um so the other way to put yourself and again this is personal for everyone it depends what your activity level is like like obviously to create a calorie deficit you can eat less food the other way is to just burn more calories so putting on a little bit more muscle mass so hopefully you strength training consistently um eating enough protein that's the other big um most important thing on the nutrition side especially when you're putting yourself into a calorie deficit you want to be at the very least maintaining your muscle mass so easy rule of thumb target two grams per kilo of body weight so i'm 80 kilos that's 160 grams of protein per day so that's going to mean that we can maintain our muscle mass which is like at the very least we want to be maintaining it because the more muscle mass we have the more calories we burn so we don't want to put ourselves into a severe deficit and also lose mass at the same time that's that's like a a net loss so we want to create an energy deficit but we want to at least maintain the muscle mass we've got so the other way to to create that deficit is to bring in more activity so that doesn't mean that you have to be flogging yourself with more intensity because obviously when you do something that's super intense or super long or super hard you're probably going to get really hungry after it and you're probably going to want to eat more food but the simple ones are just bringing in more low-level activity so walking super simple more low-level cardio this is obviously if you already sort of training if you already have a training schedule that you're doing then try and find some other ways that you can just get your daily movement up just a touch um because that is also going to help improve um that that energy deficit without doing anything that's like super stressful on the body and that's going to make you super hungry after you do it um so yeah it's really about fine-tuning that deficit and getting your daily intake the the other thing like is routine i tell people this all the time like if you actually want to drop some body weight it's gonna be a little bit boring sorry to tell you that but not saying you can't eat different foods all the time but when you eat different foods all the time you really don't know like unless you're going to weigh every single thing that you eat all of the time you really don't know like what's contained in them whereas if you have a routine like this is my breakfast i eat three i eat four eggs um and a piece of toast with um some like a, a little side salad as an example or maybe it's muesli with yogurt or whatever you're into this is my breakfast 
in these portions and I know this adds up to 500 calories. I eat that fucking breakfast every day. Same with lunch. Dinners are obviously the biggest one where you have a little bit of variety. Um, But if you know that every day I eat this breakfast, every day I eat this lunch, and that gives me 1,500 calories as an example and 100 grams of protein, this is just figures I'm pulling out of my head, then you know when you get to dinner and you've got to eat your third meal for the day, this is assuming you're having three meals for the day, you can have more, you can have as many meals as you want, doesn't matter, but for the purpose of this example, if you know, okay, I eat 600 calories at breakfast and I eat 800 calories at lunch, that means I'm, I've got 1,400 calories in, so when I get to dinner, I've got a 1,000 calorie window to eat, and that means I'm going to stay under my 2,400 calorie target. So even if your dinner's a little bit different each night, um, you know that every day I've eaten the same lunch, the same breakfast, so I'm getting that consistency there of that intake. Whereas if you change what you eat every single day and you have a different... Not many people do, like most people eat routinely, but I'm just saying like when the goal is weight loss and dropping body fat, routine is going to be your biggest friend because it's consistency that gets the results. So consistently, if you know that you've got a daily routine that you can eat and it's hitting the numbers that you need to hit and hitting the targets, then all you got to do is just eat that and then do it for a long enough period of time. And then it's just a matter of keeping an eye on the scale. So if you're eating a particular amount and you're not seeing the result that you want to see, like there's nothing happening on the scale, it just means you just got to trim it back a little bit or increase the energy output with more, a little bit more movement potentially. But everyone's going to be limited with their time in their schedule that they can obviously train and, and move. So if, if you're not seeing it drop after two to three weeks, then potentially you need to lower the calories. Or if it's going the other way and you're losing like a kilo and a half a week, but you only want to lose 500 grams, then you can eat more you can actually increase your calories, feel a little bit more energized and still potentially be losing weight. So yeah, my biggest tips there are keeping it at that 10%, removing the simple calories that are easy to get in that don't really fill you up and aren't as nutritious as some other options potentially. Um, And then it's just, it's consistency being as consistent as you possibly can and ensuring you're hitting that protein target. That's a really common one I see. Like people are not eating enough protein so they don't feel satiated and they're not recovering enough, especially if you're training and you're doing intense training when riding. You need to be getting like that protein targets, the suit, like the most important. Your fats and carbs can like vary quite a bit. It doesn't matter that much, but your protein target is super duper important. Like that two grams, we want to be hitting that very close to hitting it and exceeding it consistently every single day. That's going to allow you to maintain your muscle mass at the very least. It's going to allow you to feel recovered from all the training. And it also like supports your immune system, brain function, all those types of things. So when we're in 
a high stress environment like most of us are when we're riding doing high intense high intensity efforts for long periods of time then we need to support that with with enough protein so they would be my biggest tips around the calorie deficit that is it on all the nutrition guided questions uh next episode like i said we'll have all of the training related questions so i reckon actually got a fair few questions this time which is really cool so i appreciate everyone that sent in questions I might do one of these every once a month maybe do a Q&A podcast once a month so the training related one will be out next week um, so yeah like I said I'll probably do these if you've got any other questions if anyone um, has any questions off the back of these then shoot them through and when we do the next Q&A podcast episode we will make sure we include them on there otherwise We will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you.